They're all like, we're ready to do our Bible. Okay. Yes. Okay, so hold on. We're not going to do our confessions just yet. Yes, yes, that's right. So the Graves family, of course, they had um, two uh, 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 father and daughter both passed away the same day. Uh, so we can, huh? Right. Right. I was getting we were on that getting one. on that. We were coming to that. And then, um, so we want to continue to lift that family up in prayer. And then um, we just found out at dinner, one of the gentlemen that that Michael worked with, uh, Chad Cook, his daughter, and it's on social media. We checked it. It's on social media. Um, his daughter, who is just 24, just she was a week shy. Of, she is a week shy of 24. 24 on Sunday collapsed. Um, and he rushed her to the hospital, and it turned out that she had an, a, an aneurysm. In her brain. In her brain, and basically the doctor said there's no hope. Uh, and then they decided to go ahead and do surgery, and they've done surgery. Um, and it was like three days with no signs of life whatsoever. However, she is starting uh, to show signs of response. Yes. Yes. Her McKenna. Is McKenna. McKenna. Yeah. yeah. So we actually know this family. We we actually know she was this, a cheerleader at Murphy. So yeah. we actually know this and family. And on the volleyball team. Uh, personally, we do know that they do know Jesus. They do love Jesus, um, and and they are really trusting and believing God in a miracle. Uh, so uh, we want to lift them up and and just join with them in their faith. And the doctors um, have since said. Uh, that they, they did an, an MRI and the brain stem shows a lot less damage than they had anticipated. So they're, they're, they're hopeful is as far as they're willing to go. Right. So, there, so, there, so from a medical standpoint, there is some degree of hope. But we know the great physician. Um, and, and we know that with an aneurysm, <clears throat> that the blood basically goes everywhere, um, puts pressure on the brain and causes great brain damage, plus blood flow doesn't get to where it needs to be. Uh, so we, we just need a divine miracle, uh, or they need a divine miracle, and we've got the faith to stand with them. So I want to lift them up in prayer for sure. Uh, and then, of course, and then uh, Kathy's procedure got uh, delayed from Monday to Friday. Uh, so with the weather, they some extra traveling mercies uh, are needed. And, of course, we are standing and believing. And if you don't know exactly what's going on, um, She's just having a heart. They're, they're going to actually go in and physically check her heart because she's had some odd symptoms um, and no other tests are showing anything. So she's just having it just really checked to make sure that they're not missing anything. Um, and no clots or anything are being missed because of some symptoms that she's having. Uh, and, and we, and, but we know that God's got her divinely healed. So uh, let's pray over And, of course, praise report for Miss Ann's eye yeah. procedure, which went well. Yep, her procedure went perfectly, and her recovery is speedily upon the way, and we just ask that it goes a little speedier so that she can see it. Speedier. <laughs> she she, right, currently, she can tell that we're up here. She just can't identify us. <laughs> but uh, can't identify us in a lineup. <laughs> Lord to God. Uh, so let's just pray, and then we'll do our confession. Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we just want to um, just give you love and honor and glory. We want to give you praise, Father God. 
We thank you for your goodness and your kindness. Father, we just, oh, Lord, we just love you so greatly. And, Father, we thank you for divine healing taking place in Miss Ann and Miss Judy's body. And, Father, uh, we also thank you for having your hand upon the Graves family, that you give them continued mercy and grace, comfort and wisdom in these times and these hours in Jesus' mighty name. Now, Father, we had not yet, we had not lifted up the Cook family before you because we were unaware, but, Father, many have. And so, Father, we put our faith with their faith. We know Chad, Robin personally, and, and Father, we just, they love their children and they love you, they're servants of you. Father, uh, Chad has served as deacon in your house for many years. And so, Father, we just ask that, so, Father, we know that not only does, um, Father, not only is he your servant, um, but he's your children. He's done his best to raise his household up in accordance with you. And so, Father, we just ask and we just put our faith with theirs that uh, McKinley would have a divine miracle healing, that that weapon which was formed against her and this family will not prosper. Father, your word says that no weapon shall prosper. It does not say that there won't be weapons. It doesn't say that there won't be attacks. It said, your word declares that they won't prosper and that those that you will turn every situation intended for evil to the good for those that love you and follow you. And so, Father, we stand with, the, with, the, with Chad and Robin for McKinley's recovery. And, Father, we just speak to her body and we command the healing power of God to go into her body Father, we command the blood to withdraw from the regions of the brain that it does not belong, and for the brain to, to be restored to its original creative position in you. And, Father, we thank you that there will be no nerve damage, no brain damage, no lingering effects in her body, that she'll have perfect motor skills, she'll have perfect analytical skills and all other skills related to the brain. Father, we thank you that she'll... Not that, that she won't just wake up, but she'll wake up and be whole in Christ with a testimony to tell. And, Father, we give you all the glory and all the honor in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. amen and amen. It's always good when you're praying for people to invoke the word. Amen. It's always good. God follows his word. And so if you can put God, and, and, and the scriptures tell us to put God in remembrance of the things that he has promised us. The word tells us to plead somebody, to plead the case. In other words, it, uh, just tell the Lord why they're needed or why they qualify. Or basically just talk to the Lord and say, Lord, this is what we need and this is why we need it. Um, and, you know, you go before the judge and you plead the case. And so that's in any time you can apply scripture it's just uh, a better prayer. So uh, let's do our confession, and then we'll get into the Word tonight. This, this is my Bible. Bible. It, it is always true and the final authority. My Bible is God talking to me. Good job. I read this Word daily. I meditate on this Word day and night. This word is rooted and grounded in my heart. This word feeds and grows my spirit. Therefore, my flesh does not control me. 
I walk according to the Spirit. I am a child of God. I have the mind of Christ. God's thoughts are my thoughts. God's words are my words. God's actions are my actions. I am a doer of the word. Glory to God. We are doers of the word. Glory to God. Well, tonight I want to talk to you about walking in the light. Walking in the light. Is that going to make a change to our confession? No. Because <laughs> if you're walking in the light, if you're doing your, if you are following your confession, then you will be walking in the light. Amen. Walking in the light. Um, so, Father, we do ask that you think through mine and Michael's mind, you speak through our lips the very oracles of God, and that you uh, help us or you use our tongue as that of the pen, the pen of the ready writer, that you give the hearts of every person uh, to hear and to receive uh, thy words into not only their minds, but into their spirits, in Jesus' mighty name. And all of God's people said? Amen. Amen. We're going to just start off just reading some scriptures about the light, um, and then we'll kind of go in from there. So Psalms 56 and 13... First place we're going to start. Well, yeah, just read that whole psalm. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> All right, Psalm 56. Ready? Wait, okay, I'm waiting. All right, Psalms 56. Be merciful unto me, O God, for man would swallow me up. He fighting daily oppresses me. Mine enemies would daily swallow me up. For they be many that fight against me, O thou most high. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. In God I will praise his word. In God I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. Every day they rest my words. All their thoughts are against me for evil. Sound familiar? I'm sure everybody feels this way from time to time. Mm -hmm. They gather themselves together, they hide themselves, they mark my steps when they wait for my soul. Shall they escape my shall they escape by iniquity? Thine anger cast down the people, O God. Thou tellest my wanderings. Put thou my tears unto into thy bottle. Are they not in thy book? When I cry unto thee, then shall mine enemies turn back. This I know. For God is for me. In God will I praise his word. In the Lord will I praise his word. In God I have put my trust. I will not be afraid what man can do unto me. Thy vows are upon me, O God. I will render praises unto thee. For thou hast delivered my soul from death. Wilt thou not, will not thou deliver my feet from falling? that I may, may walk before God in the light of the living. Glory to God. So through this whole psalm, the psalmist is saying, um, basically he's talking about the pressures and the woes uh, that the world brings and that the people around him bring to him. And he, and he'll, the psalmist will um, you know, begin to kind of build up what they're doing. And then all of a sudden, he makes the determination. Look at verse 4. He says, makes the determination. In God will I praise his word. Well, actually, verse 3. It says, what time am I afraid? I will trust in thee. He's, he's saying, yep, they're coming against me, but I'm going to trust in you. 
And then he said, and I will praise your words, um, or I will praise you, God, and praise your word, for I put my trust in you. I will not fear what flesh or what man or what people, is the way we can say it, will do to me. I'm not going to be afraid. And he makes this declaration, and then he goes right back to, but every day they come against me. <laughs> but every day they get up in my face. Every day they plan to do evil to my soul. And here it truly means soul. They, 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 do, they plan to, to cause me problems in my thoughts and my feelings. They, they plan to, to affect my emotions and how I feel about myself and see myself. And he gets himself all, <laughs> all in a conundrum again. <laughs> And he's like, uh, are they going to, and, and he says, Lord, are they going to are, are escape my inequity? In other words, Lord, are you just going to let them get away with it? You know, so now how much you know, we always like to put the blame on somebody else. And a lot of times we like to put the blame on God. Then he says, in thine anger, cast down the people, O God. Right. In other words, the ones that are against me. Right. So he's going, hello, God, show up. <laughs> how much you know, we do that. Where's God in this? Hello, where's God? And then we get our we get a handle on ourselves, and then and then uh, he goes, when I cry unto thee, then shall my enemies turn back. This I know, for God is for me. In other words, he goes, okay, God, I've been having this pity party, but I know if I'll get back in line with you, that you're for me and you'll help me in this situation. And then he goes, in God will I praise His name, in the Lord will I praise His word. In God have I put my trust. I will, and, and as you, when, you start to, when you start to build yourself up in, up in God, how much you know, it's easy to go, I'm not going to be afraid in man. For what can they do to me? Why? Because you're starting to realize who you are and what you have. And then he goes, thy vows are upon me, O God. I will render praise unto thee. He's, saying, he's putting himself in remembrance of the word, and then he's determining what he's going to do because of those promises. And he, and he declares to God, For thou, God, has delivered my soul from death. You've delivered my thoughts, my feelings, my emotions from basically the snare of Satan. He said, Thou wilt not, he said, wilt not thou deliver my feet from falling? Because how much, you know, you can get yourself in so much of the molly grab, so to speak, that you get yourself over into sin. You get yourself over into murmuring, which is sin. You get yourself over into complaining, which is sin. You get yourself over into taking vengeance, which is sin. You get yourself over into fear, worry, and anxiety, which is sin. And he's, But here he's reminding himself, now wait a minute, Lord. You've delivered me from murmuring. You've delivered me from complaining. You've delivered me from fear and worry. You've delivered from me from all of these things. Will not thou deliver my feet from falling? In other words, if you've delivered me from the people, then you've also delivered me from the sins that I am apt to get into because my eyes are on them. That, and then he said that I may walk before God in the light of the living. The light of the living. What is the light of the living? Light, God is light. Satan is darkness. We that are in Christ are the living. And we have light in us. We have the knowledge, the wisdom, the understanding of God in us. And it's that light in us that helps us 
to um, know what is the correct response. Now let's go to Psalms 89. Psalms 89. Now we are not going to read this whole this verse. Is a long one. We're not going to read this whole one for the sake of time. But <laughs> look at verse 15. 8915. Glory to God. Okay. Amen. We're there. <laughs> Blessed is the people that know the joyful sound. They shall walk, O Lord. In the light of thy countenance. How much do you know that you know the sound of people? For example, uh, there was great sound of joy in the foyer before service. There was great joyful fellowship amongst the brethren. How much do you know? You know the joy of being in fellowship with God. He said, blessed is the people that know the joyful sound. What is the joyful sound? The joyful sound is the peace and the, uh, and the unspeakable joy in Christ. We know how to recognize that. How much do you know, if you get around a bunch of, of, of people that are sitting in darkness or sitting in sin or, or are living without Christ, how much do you know there's a lot of backbiting, there's a lot of lying, there's a lot of depression, there's a lot of judgment, there's a lot of just, uh, just it's just, you leave the environment feeling drained because it's just, ugh. Where if you get around a lot of people of the light that are excited about the things of God, you leave the area going, wow, that's really nice. You know the sound. And here's the sound of true joy is um, the sound of, of having light within yourself and light of, and being around people of light. It says, they shall walk, O Lord, in the light of thou of thy countenance. In other words, we're supposed to walk in the joyful light of God. We're supposed to look at the joyful countenance. We're, just, we're supposed to look at the Father God and look and see how joyful he is. And look and see, how much you know, God does not sit on his throne and just, you know, like the Wizard of Oz, you know, lightnings and thunders and booms, and you're like, ah! No, it's not like that. There's great joy coming from the heavenly home, from the heavenly throne. There's great love in the heavenly throne. That's his countenance. You know, they, I don't know if you've ever seen them. I actually enjoy them. Um, you know, and it's not, it's not a matter of worshiping them. People get into, oh, I don't want any images of Jesus because the Bible says that we're not to worship any graven images. It's not about worshiping. I'm not bowing down. But how much you know, it does good for us to have a mental image or, or sometimes a physical image of something that we can put our eyes on and go, yeah, that's good. And there's, so there were some artists that over the years that have done um, some images of what we believe, what they believe Jesus to look like. Um, and he was laughing. He was laughing and full of joy. You could see joy in his countenance. How much, you know, when Jesus walked the earth, he didn't walk the earth going, with a scowl on his face and with a because honestly do you want to be around that person think about this you work at you so you you work in the public you work as a cashier right teenage job is a great job to have you have people that come through your line all day long when you got the old man or the old woman that you can just tell they're just cranky and mean are you like, oh, please don't let them come in my line. Please don't let them come in my line. Or are you like, oh, yeah, like, I like, oh, yeah, they're just really good and grumpy. Come on, let them come over here. I want some of that grumpy to rub off on me. 
She's like, no, I don't want the grass. No, it ought, be, it ought to be. Let them come was, over here so I can shine some light on them. If Jesus was <laughs> grumpy and angry and, and despondent, how would she know? People would not want to have followed him. No. He said, you, he said they shall walk. People that, have this, that, that know the joyful sound, they walk, O Lord, in the light of thy countenance. In other words, when you're walking with Jesus, you should be walking in that uplifted, yay, light, that light, joyful uh, um, presence. Let's go to Isaiah 2. Isaiah chapter 2. Verse 5. Hallelujah, I made it. Yay. <laughs> o house of Jacob. Oh, we can probably read verse 1. It's only one verse ahead of it. What? No, we're in five. Oh, five. <laughs> no, Isaiah 2, 5. Oh, okay, I got you. I was reading Isaiah 2, 2. Okay, my why. bad. Okay. Sorry. Oh, house of Jacob, come ye and let us walk in the light of the Lord. Now, who is the house of Jacob? Huh? Israel. Israel. Remember, Abraham, Abram's name got changed to Abraham, and then he had... Uh, Jacob, right? Right. And Jacob's name was changed to, or he had Isaac, and then Isaac had Jacob, and Jacob's name was changed to Israel, Israel and Israel is God's chosen people. Right. So though, so we're in the Old Testament. He's talking to God's chosen people. So we can take this principle to today and say, and say, well, he's talking to God's chosen people. Come ye, and let us walk in the light of the Lord. Let us walk in the light of the Lord. So we could say that this is a commandment of God that we're to walk in the light of the Lord. Well, let's, but what is the light specifically? I'm so glad you asked. Let's go to John chapter 8. Okay. John chapter 8. Because John begins to give us some details about what is the light. Oh, well, hold on. Isaiah 9 2. <laughs> On your way, stop over at Isaiah 9 too. Yeah, they've already gone to John. That's okay. We can y'all can go to John. We'll put it up on the board. <laughs> Isaiah 9 2. The people There right. you go. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. Okay. So we often if you've said any time with if you've been in intercessory prayer with us, we've prayed that those that sit in darkness have come to know great light. Now, when you pray that prayer, you automatically, at least I do, you automatically think of uh, Saul when he was on the road to Damascus, and, uh, and all of a sudden, there came a bright uh, shining or a great shining light that actually blinded Saul and caused um, the, the, those that traveled with him to fall over like dead men, and that light was so strong. Um, uh, and, and then out of that light spoke Jesus, right? And that's when, uh, that's when uh, Saul personally encountered Jesus. Jesus showed up with great, as a great light. Jesus is the light of God. He is the light. And as, he, as, Paul, as Saul came to know and understand light, as he came to understand, know and understand Jesus, he was filled and flooded with light. 
And it says, and the people that walked in darkness have seen great light. In other words, there's a whole lot of people out there that have heard of Jesus, that have witnessed the things of Christ. They have encountered, so to speak, the light, and they have rejected the light. It says, and notice there's the colon, which means it's connected. It says, they that dwell in the land of the shadow of death. Who are these people? These are the people that are living, that are choosing by choice to live in darkness. These are the people that are choosing uh, by own personal choice to reject God. Now, they may not fully understand what they're doing to themselves by rejecting God, but they have chosen to go follow the devils and demons. They've chosen to go follow the world. They've chosen to go into darkness. They've chosen to go into sin. And there, but yet, it says, upon them hath the light shined. How does the light shine on people in the darkness? Through Christians. Through the witness of creation. How much, you know, if you get out in the world and you really pay attention to the uniqueness of the world, you can't look at these, you cannot look at the creation of God and go, it all came from a blob. All of this miraculously came to fit perfectly together uh, out of nothingness. It's That's just the light shining. Uh, the light of God is shining. When we walk in the light, when we walk in joy, when, we walk, when, when Christians are at the gas pump, so to speak, and they're not bothered by the gas prices, how much, you know, they're being exposed to light. Especially when somebody says, how come this doesn't seem to phase you? You must have money. Oh, no, honey. Oh, uh, my flesh is, is affected, but I choose to know that Jesus is on my side. Amen. I choose to know that all of my supplies or all of my needs are met according to his riches and glory. That's how they're exposed to light. So God basically is saying no man, no woman, no child is without excuse because my light has come to them. My light has come to them. Think of how many children, grandmas, grandpas, aunts, cousins, neighbors down the street, took, took that child to church even when the parents didn't go. The child was exposed to light when they were highly sensitive to the light, to, to hearing and seeing and receiving Christ. So he said every person, he said even when people, because here's the deal. Thank you, Holy Ghost. A lot of people, this is the case with my sister. A lot of people will say, well, what's with this God that would willingly send somebody to hell that's never even heard of God? She had a friend who was raised in an atheist home. They never talked about God. They never told her about God. There was no opportunity for her to learn about God in her home. But at this point, this, her friend was in her 20s. They grew up as friends all through school and into adulthood. And, and now her friend was in her 20s um, and had a son of her own. Um, and her son, and she had enrolled her son at this point into a private Baptist school. So I said to my private sister, school. and so my sister's argument was this, was, well, 
you know my friend and you know her heart and you know she's a good person and you know that you know she doesn't want to harm anybody she'll help anybody this that and the other but she's never been taught about god and you mean to tell me that because nobody's ever taught her about god that she's going to go to hell why do i want to serve that god and i said now wait a minute now wait a minute I said, wait, 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 there's a problem with your thinking here. See, because the devil will always twist the thinking. I said, no, wait a minute, there's a problem with your thinking. And she said, what's that? I said, did you not tell me that her son is in a Baptist private school? She said, well, yeah. Not I said, to Are mention you not? that her best friend's a Christian. <laughs> well, at that point, she should have been rejected her. Right. right. But prior to that, you served God when you were friends with her and talked to her about God, but we didn't even go there. But I just said, you just got done saying that her son, who she's responsible for, that she made the decision, because at this point she was a single mom, that she made the decision to send her son to a private Baptist school. And she said, well, yeah. I said, now let me tell you something about the Baptist schools. I said, I get, <laughs> Zach said it, they're going to get that baby saved. They're going to get him saved. They're going to teach him about salvation. They're going to teach him about Jesus. And not only are they going to teach him about Jesus, but they're going to teach him how to talk to other people about Jesus. I said, you mean to tell me that she goes to the school and doesn't hear about Jesus? You mean to tell me her son goes to chapel every day in that Baptist school and doesn't come home and tell her about Jesus? I said, no, Ramesh, I said, your friend has every opportunity to hear about God. I said, God may not be reaching her through an adult, but God is definitely reaching her through her son. See, how much do you know? In that situation, she was sitting in darkness, but light was shining upon her. And a lot of people will use that excuse. Well, they just don't know the darkness that they're in. Well, that's true. They may not fully understand the light of it. But here's the other thing. Do not each and every single one of you know that you had to draw in your spirit down on the inside to draw you to God? Do you think you're special and God doesn't give that to other people? You are special, but God is pulling on every single person and will pull on them till the day they take their last breath unless they have just completely and totally within their heart rejected him and sealed their faith. And even at that point, they'll know they've been cut off. See, there, see, we're created for light. We were created by the, by the God of light. Therefore, light does shine not only on us, but it draws us to him. All right, now let's go to John 8. All right, John 8. Glory to God. So you were saying what the light was, correct? We're working on that, yep. Right. That's where we're going to John 8 for. Correct. Verse 12, good job. Or you got. So let's pick somebody, up. Somebody knows where we're going. <laughs> somebody pick. So let's pick up right here. All right. Then John eight twelve. Yep. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. So not only is is if we follow him, is, are we not going to walk in darkness, but we'll have that light. He said, I am the light of the world. Jesus is the word of God. He is the word of God made flesh. But he is also the light of God written on our heart at the time of salvation. When we receive Jesus, when we say, Father God, 
I don't, there's a lot I don't get, and there's a lot I don't understand, and there's a lot that my brain goes tilt on. But down on the inside, I just know that Jesus is your son. I know that he died for my sins. I know that I have sinned, made a mess of my life, missed the mark, failed to do right at times. And I need a Savior, and I receive your son as that Savior. The instant we do that, light, shoom, Enter, it just it, it is, is transformed in our spirit, and our spirit is alive. And the, and the law of God, Jesus, is written on our hearts or on our spirits. And in that instant of time, we begin to know what is right and what is wrong. I'll give you this example. Brother Randy was in prison for over 10 years of his life. And there was one gentleman um, in the jail. I call him a gentleman because he's now saved. But there was one gentleman uh, in in um, the jail that was just demons. Just, I mean, dark as dark as dark could get. And long story short, Brother Randy had had been working on him for, for months and months. Had been working on him uh, to to give his life to Christ and and to get set free of the demons. And uh, he, Brother Randy and, and a bunch of Christians were all sitting in the chapel one day, and here come the man. And he come in, and he looked at, at, at you know, and they all thought, oh, gosh, here we go. He, and Brother Randy said, here we go. He's here to kill me. He's that, just that mean, just that mean. And so they kind of had their guard up, and, he, and, and the gentleman said to him, he said, uh, he said hey, man. He said, yeah, what can I do for you? And called him by name, and he said, hey, man, I want to receive that Jesus you've been talking about. I want to receive that, receive that Jesus you've been talking about. And so Brother Randy was, oh, 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 well, okay, okay, and he got him up to the front, and, 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 and this man is not the type of man that would take in direction from anybody. In fact, if you directed him to do one thing, he's going to do the exact opposite. Uh, and, and so Brother Randy got him up there on the front row, and he's saying, well, uh, how do I do this, what have you? And uh, he said, well, he said, uh, Brother, let's get up here on this front row, and, uh, well, let's get down on our knees. And he said, that gentleman just rammed to his knees. And he said, you know, and, and he went over some things with him before he got that, and he, he showed him in the scriptures what he had to do. He had to believe in his heart, not his head. Then he was the son of God and went through all the rigmarole that we go through. And, uh, and, and he said, yeah, that's it. That's the man I want. That's it. That's one right, that one right there. And he, so he, got him, he said, okay, well, let's kneel down. And he said, well, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. You pray this prayer with me. He said, okay. And he prayed that prayer, and he got up, and he said, well, that's it. I'm your brother in Christ now. Hugged him and said, thank you, brother. Got up, went to the other men, said, well, I'm your brother now in Christ. And out the door he went. That was it. That was how miraculous his salvation seemed to be in the moment. So uh, the, the way Brother Randy would say it is because, you know, they, they're all in there for their Bible study and what have you. He called them the Sanhedrin. He and the Sanhedrin, you know, the ones that are, you know, going over the Bible and figuring it all out, all determined, well, that was a bunch of waste of time because that man did not get saved. And one of them said, and Brother Randy said, well, how, why, why do you think he didn't get saved? And he said, well, he didn't get all emotional and cry. Brother Randy said, now, wait a minute. The Bible doesn't say anything about you having to get emotional and crying in order to get saved. And he said, and so Sanhedrin thought about another one. And then he popped up and said, I know, I know, I know. 
He said, there ain't no way he got saved. He said, well, how do you know he didn't get saved? Well, because he didn't go out of here screaming and shouting and praising the Lord. Well, the Bible doesn't say anything about that either. So they went through and kind of pondered around again and battered them and what have you. And there was another man there that could not read or write. He could, if you, if you wrote, the way Brother Randy says it, if you used up that wall and wrote it as big as you could, his name, he would not, in, in, you know, in big letters, that this man could not, would not be able to look at that and recognize that as his name. He had no ability to read at all. And he would have them read the Bible. He would have them read the Bible to him. And so he would read the Bible to him. And so all of a sudden he popped up and he said, I know how to tell if he's born again. And he said, well, how, you, how how's that? And he quoted the scripture to him and said, you'll know a brethren by his fruit. He said, so Brother Randy, why don't you go down there to the cell block and see what he's doing, and that'll tell us if he's born again or not. So Brother Randy went down in the cell block, and he was in one of these communal rooms, and he had to go past all of his guards and all that to get to his bed and what have you. And he got down there and got to him, and he's thinking, oh, Lord, you know, this ain't a good place to be because they're all going to be stirred up at him if he truly is born again. And he gets down there, and, he, and, and, and the gentleman's going through his footlocker and through all of his stuff. And on his footlocker, or he pulled all this stuff out of his footlocker, all these pornographic magazines because you could have them in jail back then and cigarettes and all types of stuff uh, and what have you. He said, he asked him, he said, well, brother, what are you doing? He said, oh, he said, I've got Jesus in my heart and I don't have need of any of this stuff anymore. He said, so I've just determined I'm going to get rid of it all and I'm going to give it to so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so because they're still serving the devil and they can take use of it. And that's exactly what he did. How much you know? He said, oh. He said, well, okay. And he kind of just, they kind of went back and forth for a minute, turned around and left, went back and reported to, to the Sanhedrin what was going on. And he had gotten rid, and, and indeed this man got rid of all of his evil stuff. What had happened? Light came into his spirit, and, or, or the, Jesus had come into him. The law of God had been written in his heart, and the things that the devil was beating himself up over with guilt and shame that he knew that was suddenly against God because it was written in his heart, he said, I ain't got no need for this anymore. Light came in. Jesus is the light, and the light is written on your, in your heart. Now, he knew in an instant of town, in time that smoking and drugging and pornography were not the right thing to do, that those things were against God. But he probably at that moment, because light comes in small doses, he probably didn't know in that moment that uh, he needed to uh, read his word every day. He had to be taught that. He probably didn't know that he needed to clean up his conversation immediately. He probably didn't know that he didn't need to murmur and complain immediately. Those things take time. Light takes a little bit of time. And so he said, he said, then spake unto them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness. What had happened? Instantly, this man knew these things were of darkness, and I don't need to have fellowship with them. Amen. There's things in our life. There's, listen. You don't need me to come to your house and look at your viewing history to tell you what's on your TV that you shouldn't be watching. 
your spirit, because the light of God is written in your heart, your spirit will go, you don't need to be watching that. You don't need to be watching that. But now it comes for different people at different stages, depending on what God needs you to work on. Because I'll explain, I'll explain it to you this way. Now, the work that God did in me was a whole lot faster than the work that he did in Pastor Mike in some areas. By his own admission, you've heard him say it in times past, because he was more hard-headed. There were certain things he was like, mm, Dad, Jesus, don't touch that. I've always been a little headstrong. <laughs> Jesus, don't touch that. Where I'm like, Jesus, my life's been a mess long enough. If it causes a mess, I want it gone. And he was like, okay, get rid of that, 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 and that. And I'm like, seriously? Okay, okay, it's all gone at one time. Okay, well, he, there was stuff that he could watch on TV. You know, we grew up on Dracula and, I don't know, Van, huh? Who didn't? Right, we grew up on Dracula and The Blob and Aliens. Killer Tomatoes and all that crazy stuff. Godzilla and, you know, Star Trek and all that weird stuff. My dad loves sci-fi, B the B-rated, the B-class movies. Oh. And so did Michael. They clicked like that. You know, they say you marry your parent, your your parents, your father. You know, girls marry their fathers. Yeah, pff, I don't know how. I, can't I don't help know it if how I'm a the Lord came the... up with the combination of Michael between my grandfathers and my dad. I can't help it if I'm a fan of Killer Tomatoes. Right. <laughs> I don't know how they did it, but, but God created him. In either case. But he would be watching this, this, these, ah, kill me, ah! And I'm like, Michael, do you not hear all the death in that? And he's like, it's just TV. My spirit's going, get away, get away. I'm like, does that not bother your spirit? He's like, no, it doesn't face me at all. How much you know? I had light over here, and he was still in darkness over here. It took the, world, it took the Lord a while to bring him into the light on some things. Now, at the same time, He'd have light over here, and I'd do something that he did that he had light on, and he's like, honey, really? And I'm like, and it's you, conflict, because of different light levels. Different light levels. All right. So, what verse are we in? Verse 12. Okay. He said, I am the light of the world, and he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of of life when you walk in darkness or you walk according to the world you are in other words walking in darkness is sin when you walk when you live when you do things that are not right with god when you um uh when your conversation is not agreeable to god and you know that you're supposed to put away corrupt communication you know, and here's the deal. When the Spirit comes in, bam. It's like the Ten Commandments are all of a sudden a neon sign, right? Like certain ones. Like don't kill, don't steal, don't have adultery, don't smoke, don't drink. Don't, that's not on there. But you know what I'm saying? Like there's, the, there's what I call the checklist of sins. Like every Christian will go, oh, drinking's wrong. Well, not everyone. In any case. Smoke, you know, you know. Oh, that's it. You're you're smoking. You're going to hell. Oh, that's it. You're stealing. You're going to hell. Oh, you're committing murder. You're going to hell. Oh, you did this. You're going to hell. Checklist sins. But then there's the other sins that we that we pay no attention to, like murmuring and worry and fear and uh, 
sorry to say, gluttony, overeating, failing to take care of the temple, your physical body, uh, things like that, that we're like, eh, huh? Failure, oh, to, failure assemble. to come to church. That's yeah. a big one. Failure to come to church. Well, I, Jesus, I believe that I'm the church and, and I don't have to have a building. That's how much, you know, that's going to be a problem for some people. But he said this, he said, but shall have the light of life. See, when we miss, when we hit any of those sins, and I'm trying to make this clear, when we hit any of those sins, let me, let me explain this to you. <laughs> Failing to assemble is no less of a sin than committing murder. Let me just be real honest. Failing to assemble is just as much sin as committing murder. Failing to control your communication, the way you talk, is just as much of a sin as stealing and robbing a bank. There's no big sins and little sins with God and with the devil. Sin is sin. Here's where it changes. And here's how the devil gets you. The devil will get you into sin on little things that you think are not a big deal or that you think is just a small thing that you can that, that you can let slide because well it's not technically an issue for you or 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 God's going to forgive that sin a little easier okay so what happens is you mess up in little areas you mess up in little areas you fail to come to church you uh you fail to control your money because well I just want to go do such and such. You fail to, uh, even though the Lord's been dealing with you about your money, uh, you fail to um, not worry about a situation because, well, God knows that's just my personality and I'm a warrior, a worry, worrier, and uh, he'll, he'll forgive me. And so you, so you make way for those little sins or, or what you perceive to be little sins. But Satan doesn't, doesn't go before the father and say, because he's the accuser of the brethren, he doesn't go before the father and say, uh, excuse me, Jesus, um, Derek committed the little sin of worry, so now I can go and give him a little problem. That's not how this works. Satan will go to the father and say, uh, Derek committed, committed the sin of worry, and now the door's open, to, to, and he opened the door to me, so now I can go bring him problems? And if you don't think that's true, go read the story of Job. Right. Because <laughs> that's exactly what his sin was. Right. The sin of worry. That's right. He got into worry, which took him into fear, which took him into uh, doing sin sacrifices just in case his children were sinning. And that's exactly, that's, the, that's how sin or darkness gets you. It'll, it, you'll make way for one little sin, one little area of darkness in your life, and then the next little area of darkness is opened. And then the next little area of darkness is open. And then the next little darkness is open. Now, here's the deal. The devil could have entered back here at the first little sin of darkness. But he's smarter than all of us. Because he knows that if, you, if he comes and attacks you at the first sin, and you come under the curse and the curse attacks immediately, you're going to go, mm, I don't like this, that ain't worth it, I'm going to repent and get right, because that's a little sin and that's easy to forgive yourself for. 
No, he's going to wait until you do this little sin, and then you're going to do this little sin, and then he's going to do and then you're going to do this little sin, and then you're going to do this little sin, and then you're going to do this little sin, and now you got a whole laundry list. And now that laundry list seems too big. Now that laundry list seems too uh, too big to repent and for God to forgive for. It seems too big for you to forgive yourself. And now you're so far in that now for you to pull out of those sins, it's going to start affecting more people than just you. And so now it becomes harder to come over. So it's important that when we, that we understand that light, the knowledge of God, the wisdom of God that's written in our hearts, that Jesus written in our hearts, it's important that we understand that we always stay with that light and don't let any darkness in. So when, when, when we ask Jesus into our hearts, this, that light comes to live inside of us. It becomes a part of us. We, we, it says here that, that we shall have the light of life. So how much you know that here's one sin you haven't thought about maybe. When you, uh, you know, the Bible talks about when you have a light, do you hide it under the bed? Do you put it, you know, do you hide it away? Do you keep it from everybody or do you share it? Okay, we're, we're, there's a song that says, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. That's right. There's a reason why it's supposed to shine. It's supposed to shine because we are, we are caught, he, he gave us his light so that we could share it with the world. We are called to bring the light to the world. And if we're not letting it shine, they're out there in the darkness. But how much, you know, just one little light. If I went out there in the parking lot right now with a lighter, you guys would all be able to see it. Mm-hmm. Just one little flame out there in the darkness, and it's going to draw people to it. That's the way we're supposed to be with our lives. That's why when, when we are filled with the light, when we have the joy inside of us, when we're, when we're walking with God, walking in the light, that's why people are attracted to us. Absolutely. Moths do a flame. Because they, they see the light in us, and they want it. Yep. You know, they don't know what's in it that they want, but they know they want when, it. When you've got that first love of the Lord, you are so filled with the light that everyone is attracted to it. Everyone wants a part of that. Everyone wants that in their lives. If you can keep that first love alive in your life, then, then you will be a light unto the world. People will come to you. The thing is, you have to know what to do when they come. Right. And that's part of walking in the light is you have to know what to do when they come. So um, chapter 11 um, will take us right into what Pastor Mike just said. Chapter 11, starting in verse 7, it says, Then after uh, that saying, uh, then after that saying, he to his disciples, so they they heard the news about Lazarus, um, and he said, Let us go to to Judea again. His disciples, in verse 8, say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? So his disciples said, uh, we were just in Judea, and they hated you to the point that they wanted to kill you. Today, if we let our Jesus shine, people are going to persecute you. And the disciples did what's normal and what most Christians do. Uh, Let's not go out there. want to go <laughs> let them see your Jesus again? I don't think that's a good idea, Jesus. I don't think that's a good idea. And look at Jesus' reply. He, he said, 
Jesus answered, because he always answers. Yep. Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. Now this probably caused their head to scratch, because they're thinking natural. They're thinking because that's what we do. We be human, think natural. But Jesus wasn't talking. He used natural. He used the natural light of the day, and the natural darkness of the night to explain why he was going into Judea. So he basically, have you ever taken a walk during the day? Of course. Have you, is it easy to see where to put your feet and which path to take and how to go, right? If, you're, if you've got light, it's easy to walk without stumbling if you're paying attention, right? But how much do you know? If you're in the light in the middle of the day and you're looking up and you're walking one of these trails, how much do you know? You're going to stumble, right? I, no. I, when I was out walking the dogs the other night, I turned the flashlight off going back to the house. I could see the lights from the house, and yet I still walked into a bush face first because I couldn't see it. Just going to say. And that's in my own yard. But how much do you know? At night, you're going to walk into bushes. Even uh, You know the bushes there. It's your yard. But yet, because it's dark, you stumble and slam right into it. On our other property, uh, Mom's pottery studio was on one property. The house is on the other property. And when the moon was lit, uh, you could easily make the track. And we kind of had the path known, and we knew it. But there would be times that we would go to the studio, and we'd forget to grab the flashlight. And we'd be like, oh, it's fine. It's not a big deal. Uh, you know, we'll go out. And, you know, the moon will be out, and it'll be fine. And then we go out to walk. Yeah, that's back a to good the way house, to end up in the creek. And the clouds <laughs> have moved in. Or there was no moon that particular night, and we weren't paying attention to it, and we ended up in the creek. We ended up in the pond. We ended up in the wet weather springs. You know, we ended up sliding and falling on our butts in the mud because we got off the path that we knew. Yeah, Mom doesn't remember that. I do. I remember having shoes of wet weather. Yuck. Uh, puddles. You know, uh, but how much you know? Because if you're... If you're in the darkness, you can, now you can find your way. You know, you, how much, you know, Michael found his way to the house last night, but he tripped over the bush first, right? Or walked right into the bush first. How much do you know? The same thing applies to spirit. It applies to spirit. We have certain things that we have what I would for, refer to as light on. We, we have light on um, that, it's not good to hang around people that are in active sin because if we hang around people with active sin, it's not that we don't like them. It's not that they're bad people. It's not that, that we're haters against them. It's that we don't want to get into the sin and the dirt that they're in. We don't want to trip over their sin. So when we hang around those people, we're basically essentially hanging around in the dark and it causes us to stumble into sin. Well, when you've got, got garments all of white because you're washed white from the blood, right. and right. then you go get in the mud, it's going to get off on you. No. So that's what he's talking about here. He said, are there not 12 hours in the day? If a man uh, walk in the day, he stumbleth not because he seeth the light of this world. If we know... 
that we're a born-again believer of God and that there are certain things in our life that are sin to us. Now, it doesn't, it, it doesn't matter. I want to say this right. Pastor Mike and I are on a different level than, say, Derek. Okay? Uh, what's sin for me, because I have more understanding of the word, and I've been around it more, and I've grown my spirit more, there's things for me that are sin. How much you know, as a pastor, it's a, great, it, it's a bigger sin for me not to crack my Bible. It, it's a sin for me not to crack my Bible. But for Derek, who is a believer and has been for a while, uh, it's also a sin for him to not crack his Bible daily. But if you have a new born-again Christian that just got born again yesterday, they don't know they're supposed to crack their Bible every day and read it. How much you know? For them, that's not sin. How much you know? For me, there's things that I can't watch because the Lord's dealt with me on it. But Derek can watch it because the Lord's not dealt with him on it. There's things that, that, there is that true that there's a yet, but here's the deal. It's not your job to, to, to correct him if you're not living in all of the light that you're supposed to live in. Let me give you, let me use an example for you. I, you know, you, just giving you an example, I'm not picking on you. You know that it's sin for you to judge people. But Brianna may not have light on it. You can't put your light, your responsibility off on her. Just because you're not, because you have light that it's not okay to sin or it's not okay to judge doesn't mean that she doesn't have that, that she has that understanding. See, as you grow in the word, as we grow in the word, as we come to understand things. Now listen, if you were raised to believe, I'll give you this example. If you were raised to believe that it was okay to have wine with dinner, but you were not to get intoxicated, how much you know? That's not sin for you. I'm being honest. Is God will look at that and say not sin. Well, until you get revelation. But if you get into the Word and you study out what the different types of wine is, and you study out that you're a royal priesthood, and you study out that uh, that the royal priests were not even in the old uh, under the Levitical law were not allowed to drink even the the banqueting wine. Uh, when you get in, when you get over, and you get the revelation that God would not have you intoxicated in any way, shape, or form, then instantly that which you did for years and years and years, which was not sin for you because you failed to have light, is instantly now sin for you because now you have sight, because now you have light and revelation on it. You now have understanding. Understanding. My household, we uh, in my in my family. Sarcasm was the way of life. Ribbing each other and kind of poking at each other and kind of nah, giving each other a little bit of a mm, sarcastic nudge every now and again was perfectly normal. Perfectly normal. Did it to everybody you came in contact with. That was perfectly normal. But then the, but then the Lord showed me that that is corrupt communication and a form of witchcraft in the Word. So guess what happens now? Suddenly... When sarcasm wasn't sin, it's suddenly now sin because now I suddenly have revelation. I have light on the subject. So now I have to deal with it. Do you think that that habit went away in one, in one moment? No. 
No. So what happens when I make the mistake? You immediately repent. The moment I realize, and I, listen, there's still days I still slip on this one. Instantly, in the moment, when I realize, oh, I was just sarcastic. I have a responsibility to apologize to the person that I was sarcastic to and explain to them that I lost my witness and that that was not acceptable. Immediately, I have the responsibility to, to get right with God. I have the responsibility to forgive myself, and I have the responsibility to do my very best to never use sarcasm again. Guess what? I might do really good for a few weeks, few months, or even a few years, but eventually it's going to pop out again if I don't stay guarded, if I don't stay in the light at all times. And when it comes, it's not time for you to say, well, see, that's it. I can't help but live in sin. No, I have the responsibility to immediately repent, immediately get it right, and immediately fix it. That's what walking in the light is. All right, so walking in the light. We've got the, we've got the, the light. We've got the, we've got the joy of the Lord. We, we've got the knowledge of the Lord. We, we've got, um, we've got the love walk. All of these things are light, and we're we're to to shine the light into, just into the world, and in doing so, things will change. If you if if you with the light inside of you walk into a room full of darkness. There's now light in that room, and it's going to shine on those people that, are, that have the darkness, and they're going to see some of the things that they're doing wrong. Most of them are not going to be happy about this. Right. And, and that's, that's why, that's, they, that's why, that's why they threw, threw stones at Jesus, uh, because he was shining the light on their sin. Mm -hmm. and, they, and he didn't judge them. He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't point at them and go, you're going to hell. All he he was, was just there, and that because they because they can recognize his light, they see it. They can then see the darkness in themselves. See, if Derek has if Derek has light on a subject and I don't, or vice versa, it doesn't matter what the subject is. It's part of our jobs as 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 bringers of the light to help Derek or me see see where that see what's what's in us that's wrong. Now, that can be difficult to do without upsetting somebody. Mm. So you got to be careful with it. Yes. Um, yes. And you got to do it in love. Yep. And most of the time, you just got to be there and live your life the way it's supposed to be lived, and then they will see it. Right. And they'll, they'll get that revelation for themselves. Right. You don't have to go, Derek, you're going to hell if you don't change your ways right now. No. It's not our job to force people into the light. It's our job to carry the light, and, and, and by carrying the light, it will draw people to the light. It's not our job to force the light on people. Look at verse 10. It says, but if a man walk in the night, in other words, he, if a man chooses to walk in darkness, if a man chooses to walk in sin on purpose, he is going to stumble. He is going to yep. stumble because there is no light in him in other words he's he's purposely he's purposely ignoring and purposely pushing the light the wisdom the knowledge of god away from him see that's someone that's that 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 knows that it's there's wrong to lie but they, but they do it anyways right they're choosing to walk in the darkness 
They're right. going to stumble and they're going to fall. And that's going to cause their life even though, to go Even out. though many people don't think lying is that big of a deal. Or they don't think that, that, that oh, well, you know, I've got the light, but I'm not going to let it shine. Yep. That's a sin. Yep. That's, and, and honestly, if you choose, if you have light in you and you choose to walk in darkness, you're going to stumble. And eventually, if you stumble far enough and long enough and hard enough, eventually the light that is in you uh, will, will leave or, or you yourself will reject that light within you. Look at John 12, John chapter 12 and verse 35. 35, okay, I'm there. Then Jesus said unto them, Yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while ye have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whether, where he goes. Okay, now, like, this is the gospel. So here, Jesus was talking specifically about his physical presence. He said, I am, basically what he was saying is, I am the light, and I am only going to be physically present with you for a little while. So that part doesn't apply to us, because Jesus now lives on the inside of us. He said, but, but the second part, walk while you have light. In other words, the things that you have understanding of, the things that you have knowledge of, the things that you've come to know are not right for you to do because you've spent time with Jesus in your own Bible study, in prayer, and in church services. So light has come. Walk that you, while you have that light so that darkness does not come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not where he goeth. This is why sin will take the Christian, the baby Christian, or take any Christian, but it seems to fall most on babies. This is why sin will take a Christian, in, will take a Christian farther into sin than they ever wanted to go, keep them longer than they ever wanted to stay, and cost them more than they ever wanted to pay because they failed to walk in the little bit of light back here that they had. And, and, and really what happened is uh, they walked into a really dark place unaware they walked into the door hey have you ever what you know you watch tv and and you know the kid somebody on the show goes into a dark alley or a dark area of town and the next thing you know wham great destruction comes upon them why because they're walking in darkness and they don't understand the danger that they're in and that's the prime example of this he said when you get a little bit of light this is how the devil gets a lot of people the devil will say, well, you don't know what truth is, so how can you walk in the light? Well, you don't know what the whole word says, so how can you walk in the light? Well, you don't understand why that's bad, so how can it be bad? He'll question. He'll cause you to question what little bit of light you have. So what you have to do is you have to say, well, see, it doesn't matter that I don't understand the degree of darkness that's down that avenue. All I have to understand is that that is a dark avenue and there's danger in that avenue. So what you have to do is as you learn, I need to, I, I need to uh, walk upright. I need to talk right. I need to not lie. I need to, whatever, whatever areas the Lord, because the Lord works on different people in different areas, at different rates and different speeds. But what you know of God, 
It doesn't matter how little or how much you know, do what you have a knowledge and an understanding to do so that you don't go down into destruction. This so that you don't go down into destruction. If you know, man, I just, Lord, you told me not to do that, and I did it. I mean, give you an example. I know I'm supposed to listen to the Holy Ghost. I know that the Holy Ghost will lead and guide me and direct me in every step of my life. I know that the Holy Ghost talks to me and tells me things like, get your umbrella. Don't, don't pull into that gas station. Don't, oh, d- Right, don't pull in, don't pull into the small gas station. Make sure you get a big gas station. Don't how many of you the Holy Ghost told me don't pull into a small gas station. I pulled into a small gas station and crunched my car. Because I was trying to maneuver to make sure that the truck could get in and out and what I was more concerned about that and just ran right into this stupid little not, gas not guard that, thing. That it mattered that she pulled into a small gas station, just not that one. Right. Just not that day. I just that day the Holy Ghost said you need gas, don't go into a small gas station. But I got into fear and worry of running out of gas. See, I got into fear and worry, which I know I'm not supposed to do. And I knew that I had heard from the Holy Ghost not to pull into a small gas station. But I pulled into a small gas station, and guess what? Destruction. I knew that the Lord told me when I was going to go take care of some kids because there was a, because uh, the wife had to go take the, the, the husband to the hospital. The Holy Ghost told me, get your sweatshirt, get a change of pants, get, get your, because get, I have my flip-flops on. He said, get your tennis shoes and your socks, get your sweatshirt, take your shampoo and, and your hair dryer. And a and change I, of clothes. Yeah, a change of clothes. I said, Lord, I don't have time to pack all that up, and I'm just going over to their house to watch kids until they get back to the hospital. Well, the Holy Ghost knew that I was leaving their house and going over to stay at the hospital for, for almost a week. With the family. And so guess what? When Luck- money was tight. L- luckily she had a husband willing to go over there and bring her some clothes. <laughs> no, actually what I had was a husband that even though money was tight, he figured out, he rearranged the money, and I was able to go to the store and buy me those things. Oh, that's right. I forgot that. Because he couldn't get to me. You know, the Holy Ghost, for I'll, I know. If I pulled it, because, you know, we've got the two doors on the front of the house. And we primarily go out of this door, out of the doggy door. The, not a small dog door, but the anyway. The door where the dogs usually The door that keep the dogs from getting in, the mudroom. We go out the mudroom entrance. Well, there'll be times that I'll go to, I'll close the mudroom entrance and the Lord will go, go check, the, the Holy Ghost will say, go check the front door. Yep, because you never know when that thing's unlocked. We hardly ever go out it. <laughs> but, but it gets unlocked. So, okay. So, how much, it's sin for me to not go check the front door. Because I know to hear from the Holy Ghost, and I know to be obedient to the Holy Ghost. How much do you know? Somebody like Brianna, who's just now getting to really know the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost is going to say, Brianna, go check the door, and she's going to think, that's just me. But I know the voice of the Holy Ghost. So for her, it's training, so it's not sin. For me, it's not training. I should already be trained. See how it changes? See how it changes? This is the light. This is the light. Well, it took me a while to hear it. Right. But I was getting there. <laughs> but I was getting there. Now, here's the deal. If I don't go lock the front door, how much do you know somebody can come rob us? Bam, right into darkness. Where if she forgot to lock the front door, there'd be an angel standing at the door going, she's in training. You're not coming in. <laughs> I mean, come on. That's about how it goes. 
We've got to walk in the light because walking in the light is what protects us from destruction. When you're young in the Lord, you get away with a lot. Oh, of you get away with a lot. <laughs> you know, you get that over you don't get away with later on when you're supposed to know better. Let me let me take it to this degree. I know how devils and demons operate. I know how they operate. I know how devils and demons get inside of people. I've dealt with devils and demons, and I've had to ask them how they get in there. And it'll shock you some of the things that they'll say. One of them said, because I had to ask one demon because I couldn't get it to go. Oh, I said, how did, I said, how, what gives you the right to hold on to this person? He said, he's a thief. What do you mean he's a thief? And what, on what occasion did he steal? He's going to shock you. He said he was eight years old and he stole a necklace. And I went and I entered him. Eight years old. Eight years old. Why? Because that demon started talking to him and started talking to him and started talking to him. And he started listening and he started listening. And, he, and then he began to act on some things. I guarantee you the necklace wasn't the first thing. I I, but I guarantee you the necklace was probably the, 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 what was apparently the defining moment. It's probably when he realized that it was wrong. That it was wrong. Brother Randy was dealing with a, with, a gentle, with, with a man that had a spirit of addiction and a spirit of homosexuality. And he got down to the last demon. And he had to ask that demon, how did you get in there? Not making a doctrine, because it's different for every person. But he asked that he he had to ask that demon because sometimes you got to, sometimes you have to find out what the hold is so that you can break the hold so that that forces the demon to come out. Talking about walking in the light, that demon told him that he entered that man and got a hold on that man because that man smoked a cigarette. Now that doesn't mean that every person that smokes a cigarette has a demon, but for that man. That was the moment that he surrendered to demonic influence. That was the moment that he surrendered his life to demonic influence. And that was the moment that that demon of addiction came into him and began to control him and take him into deeper addictions. See, this is how, this is why we have to walk in the light. As we walk in the light, as we know what to do, as Jesus tells us what to do, we're closing the door on Satan. And every time we fail to close that door, we're letting the demons get one step closer. Example. Hey, Derek, why don't you go do better there? Derek says, no. He's resisted me. i got to back up. Hey, Derek, why don't you go do better there? Derek does it. Hey, Derek. Derek starts to think on it. Think on it think on it. And as he's thinking on it, I, I'm getting a little closer. And I'm getting a little closer. And I'm getting a little closer. And then when I can get Derek to act on what I've been talking to him about, then I'm right here. And then I can, and then if I can get him to continue to act, if I were a demon, then I would go and control him. See, this is why the this is why the Bible tells us to take thought of every of every thought that comes captive that, that comes take against our mind. Take captivity every thought. Take it into captivity, because that's how we begin to push the demons back. Walk in the light that you have. If I say, Hey Derek, I think you'd look really good with another tattoo, 
And Derek starts thinking about it. And Derek starts thinking about it. And Derek starts thinking about it. And then Derek goes and gets one. Oh, Derek, that was great. Let's go get another one. Oh, yeah, let's go get another one. That's how it works. That's how it works. Just so you know, Derek, tattoos he ain't can one. look nice, but they do not make you pretty. Yeah. And 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 you know you know what makes that's why I could use it. You, you know what makes you pretty? God made you pretty. That's right. I, I or handsome, it. as the case may be. That's right. So I wasn't just talking to Derek at that point, but okay. I know. Listen, I know we're over on time, but y'all, we gotta just. We just might have to make it just official that we just go to 8.30. No, I'm not going to do that. No. We're not, I'm not going to do that to you. Don't panic. You might. <laughs> I wouldn't Ephesians, put it past you. I'm not going to do it unless the Holy Ghost tells me to. <laughs> Ephesians 5.8. For you were sometimes darkness. Notice it says you were sometimes darkness. In other words, every single person, uh, unless, they, unless they hit the age of accountability and said, Jesus, here I am, and never make a single mistake, which is an extreme rarity. In fact, the Bible says that we've all sinned, and that we've all come short of dark, come short of the glory of God. So, so for for those of you that are highlighting your in him scriptures in your Bible, this is one of them. He said, "For you were sometimes darkness." In other words, at some point in time, you were one with with you were in you were in oneness with the darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. We have all missed it. We have all failed. We have all sinned. We have all made a mistake. We've all fellowshiped with the devil on some level. But now we have Jesus on the inside. And now we have the responsibility to walk in that light that Jesus has bestowed upon us. And the cool thing is, as long as you're walking around with that light, the devil can't even come near you. Unless you open that door. First John 1, 7. 1 John 1, 7, we're going to end on these verses right here. 1 John 1, 7. Another in him scripture. Yep. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we'll walk in the light of Jesus, if we'll walk, if we'll pattern our life after Jesus, then Jesus will have fellowship with us, and we will have fellowship with Him. And at any point that we mess up and we mistake and we miss our and we miss the mark, the, His blood is right there on the scene to wash us completely clean of that sin. Let's read verse eight and nine. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. That's right. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Here is the biggest lie of Satan. The biggest lie of Satan is you can't help but sin. And once you've sinned, that's it. It's all over. And once that, you've committed the first sin, man, you just might as well open the floodgates and commit every sin under the sun. And people will that's use verse 8 to justify that. Right. They'll say... Uh, well, if you're saying you don't have any sin, then you're you're deceiving yourself. No, no. I'm not saying I've never had any sin. But Jesus told us to sin no more, so I'm striving to not sin. Yeah, there's sin in my life. Yeah, there's sin in my background. Yes, there is. And yeah, I might trip and lose my witness tomorrow. 
but I'm going to work real hard not to. Yes. But if I do, I'm immediately going to confess my sin to the person that I sinned against, to the Father God, and I'm going, and the Father's going to forgive me, and above all, I'm going to forgive myself, and I'm going to pick myself up off the floor, and I'm going to get up, and I'm going to walk in the light again. And I'm going to do my very best not to lose my witness again. And I might go a long time and not lose my witness. But if and when it happens, if it happens. If or when. If it happens, because I'm going to work real hard for it not to. If it happens, I'm going to repent. I'm going to change my direction. I'm going to, again, purpose in my heart that I'm not going to make that mistake again. And I'm going to get up and I'm going to ask for forgiveness. I'm going to receive that forgiveness. I'm going to forgive myself. And I'm going to get up and go again. And Jesus will, will uh, forgive us and, wash and us cleanse us clean. from all unrighteousness. That's right. That's right. So when you miss walking in the light, fess up. What was it? Or when you when mess, you mess up, up, fess up, when you mess up, up fess on. up, yeah. and move on. Yeah. When you mess up, when you miss it, when you step into that, you, you put your foot on that mushroom of darkness, so to speak. When you step on that thing and you realize what you did, shoop, confess it and move on. Amen. Change it. Didn't I say that? That's right. <laughs> Glory to God. Well, praise the Lord. We understand. Now we know. What to do when we accidentally step into darkness and we know that we're to walk in the light and we know, listen to me, I hope you understand. I, I really, I need you to understand that what is sin for you may not be sin for your brother because they may not have light on it. However, however willful ignorance is not. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because I've had that happen. I've had, I, 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 we've taught it, and, and I've had teenagers say, well, I don't really understand it, so I'm good. Right? No, that's not how that works. <laughs> Just because you don't understand the law doesn't mean it's not the law. <laughs> right. I didn't understand that it was wrong to rob the bank. I mean, I have an account at the bank, so doesn't that mean I, what's in the bank belongs to me? No. <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, tithes and offerings, glory to God. Tithes and offerings, uh, glory to God. If you have a tithe or an offering, you're welcome. If you're giving cash, fill an envelope, we'll track it, write in the check, DHM. Giving online, disciplescouse.faith. Uh, glory to God. You want to bless the tithes and offerings? Whew, yeah. My, my curry is yeah, coming. Uh -huh. Yeah. Anyway. Lord, we thank you uh, for this service. We thank you for being here with us. We thank you for giving me and Robbie the words that need, needed to be spoken. We thank you, Lord, that, that, you, that you made a way for us to walk in the light. And we, we thank you for giving us the courage and the strength to do so. Lord, we, we will go out of here and we will let our light shine to all the world. Whether they, whether they turn away from it or not, whether they, they re, uh, resent us for it or not, we will let our light shine because that's what you have called us to do. You've called us to shine your light into the world for people when they see us to see you. And that's what we're going to do. And, Lord, we, we ask that we, because you loved us, we're going to give an offering. We, we want to see your work done here on earth, and we will give an offering to that effect. And we ask that you bless it, that it go further than we could ever ask, hope, or think towards the furthering of your, your work here on this earth. 
And Lord, we ask that you bless us for, for, for our faithfulness in doing so, that you give us the ability to rebuke the devourer. Satan, we rebuke you in Jesus' name. You must leave our things alone. You must leave our health alone. You must leave us alone. You must flee in Jesus' name. Angels, we, we send you forth to bring in the harvest so that we can be a bigger blessing unto the Lord. In Jesus' name, thank amen. You. Amen and amen. You may serve the people. Father, thank you for great increase. Oh, that curry's getting to me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, we ate big before we preached, and that's not the norm. Uh, glory to God. Well, we got service, two services on Sunday. We're headed to Florida on Monday. Uh, if you want the media from the meetings, just get with me, and we'll make arrangements for you to get that. Um, they're going to be good, I know. Yeah, that one's yours. That's why I didn't take it. And other than that, uh, thank y'all for coming. Just be glad. I believe, I believe the Canadian church meets for two hours on Wednesday, and they don't start till 730.